Go to Luke, if you would, the second chapter. Oh, yeah, and, and Phyllis reminded me I made a little mistake earlier in that testimony. I, said, I think I said we hadn't had a vacation until about 95 or so. We did have one in the late 80s. Is that what? Somebody gave us a couple of days at a place in Arkansas and so uh, sold it to us. And so I don't want to... Don't want to be inaccurate on that. Thank you, Phyllis, for reminding me. Um, Luke two, are you are you getting there? Luke two twenty one. Why are we doing what we're doing? What's it based on? Um, different groups, religious groups, Christian groups, have different things for children. A number of them have infant baptisms. And then uh, a number of groups have child dedications. And that's not what we call what we do. We call it child presentation. And one of the reasons we do that is because uh, I don't know of a verse that supports child dedication. I know some people may not like that, but, you know, you search the scriptures for yourself and see what you think. Because why, why, why does it make a difference of a word? Well, uh, Hannah did give Samuel, her child, to the Lord. But that meant she did not take him home. She left him. (laughs) Is that right? At the uh, temple. And we want you to take your children home. So this, you won't be giving them to the Lord by leaving them with us. (laughs) And one reason I say that is because a number of groups, they have infant baptism. And whether, you know, usually sprinkling of some kind, uh, or maybe dunking, but usually just sprinkling. and, And by that, people have the idea that the child is now saved because the child is part of the church now. And sometimes making the church the Savior. That if you're part of the church, that means you're saved, which is not true. You must be born again. And a child, a little child, they, they uh, are not lost. Right? They, they've yet to be born again because they've yet to come to the age of knowing the difference between good and evil and making the wrong choice. So little children, infants and little children, if they died, uh, they go straight to be with the Lord. Their spirit's alive to the Lord. They, they don't, you know, uh, it's too early to talk about them needing to get saved. But there will come a time, and that's a different age for, for different children, but there will come a time when they know the difference between right and wrong, and they make the wrong choice, and just like all the rest of us, they need to receive Jesus as their Savior. But that's not what we're doing with the child presentation. In, in Luke, the second chapter, in verse 21, it says, When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to do what? 
to present him to the Lord. Present him to the Lord. And so in verse 27, just a couple of verses later, it says, uh, Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and, and spoke, actually spoke prophecy over the child Jesus. And so then verse 40 says, the child grew. And waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Is that a desire we have for every one of our children? Everybody said out loud, the child grew. grew. And waxed strong in spirit. spirit. Filled with wisdom. wisdom. Now you think about this, how, how filled with wisdom was Jesus at age 12, when he was asking questions of the scribes, right? And answering their questions about the things of God. Uh, Phyllis and I remarked about this a number of times. People expect too little of their children many times. They don't know what they're capable of. And they're treating, you know, a child that's 10 years old like they're a baby. And it's a mistake, Now, that doesn't mean you put pressure on them and all this demand, but you need to realize they are capable of much more than what you may have imagined. And you want to be believing God for this spiritual development. Read it out out loud again. What happened with the master? And he is the ultimate example for your child to follow. The child grew. That's physically. Right? Perfect. Complete. Normal, blessed, physical development. And wax strong in spirit. Aren't you thankful around here for our children's ministry? And all the people that work so diligently. I mean, these guys put in some time. They put in some hours and preparation. And they don't just babysit. They minister the Word of God and the Spirit. And it's getting into these little ones. And by the time they get to, you know, hit to, uh, 10 years old, 12 years old, teenagers, they could be at such an advanced place compared to where maybe you were. Or some of us were back at that point because of this, this early input. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Hallelujah. That's part of what we're going to release faith on today in the prayer about the grace of God. He gives grace to those that ask, to those that humble themselves and submit to him. And God's grace encompasses all of his help for every area of life. With enough grace, you can get through anything. With enough grace, you can receive. Nothing's too big to receive. With enough grace, you can reach the the biggest goal and the the most advanced place. So uh, this is what we're basing this on. They, They took Uh, the child and presented him to the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, um, go with me if you would over to, uh, I'm going to do this a little bit differently today, but you got time? This is the, this is the main thing today. So Mark 10, if you'd look there, Mark 10 and 13. 
It says they brought young children to him, to Jesus, that he should touch them. You know, spiritual things are are accomplished through touch. If you've never uh, noticed in anatomy, your your hands have some of the most uh, condensed wiring, if you will, in your nervous system. From your brain to your hand and your fingers and the palm, the Bible said that, that God's hands or palms, and there was the hiding place of his power. And so it's no, not by chance that laying on of hands is one of the principal doctrines of the church. Because spiritual things can be transmitted, can be ministered from uh, the Holy Spirit on a human spirit through a, a physical vessel, through another physical vessel into a human spirit. This is not conjecture. This is Bible. It's one of the principal doctrines of the church. Read in Hebrews, laying on of hands is one of the principles of the doctrine of Christ, the scripture said. And so they brought, um, Jesus was always talking about the anointing. One of his main texts, you know, was the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. And people would hear about that anointing. One of the reasons why they're bringing these children. They want him to touch them. And sick people wanted to touch him. Or him to touch them. Because they believe in the anointing. How many believe the anointing. Destroys the yoke of bondage. It removes burdens. The anointing is the power of God. It can do anything. That needs to be done. And so they brought young children. To him that he should touch them. Matthew's account says that he should put his hands on them. And pray. So they wanted both. They wanted him to touch the child and they wanted him to pray over the child. His disciples rebuked them that brought them. They thought, well, he doesn't need to be dealing with all these kids. I mean, you know, get get these kids out of here. And Jesus corrected them. In fact, verse 14, he was much displeased. Much displeased over them telling them to not bring the kids. He said, Suffer or allow the little children to come to me and don't forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Do you know God does not lose one of these babies? All of the babies that died, whether it was an accident or disease or didn't make it full term to birth or all of the abortions, God didn't lose one. He's got them. I said, he's got them. And that's why of such is the kingdom of heaven. There's kids everywhere in heaven having a high time. Yeah. I was I was doing the funeral one time for a little a little child that had passed, and uh, in praying about it, the Lord gave me a glimpse. Gave me a glimpse. I know it was for the parents, for me to share it with them, console them, and help them. But uh, just 
it wasn't very long, but just a glimpse. I saw this field, and it was huge. And I don't know how many kids were there. They, I don't, thousands at least. I couldn't see the whole thing. They were running. They were jumping. They were playing, laughing, carrying on. And I realized there's, there's no, you think, well, where's all the adults watching over them? There was no danger. There was nothing to hurt them. And you talk about having fun now. They were having, and I saw the little one that, that had just died in that family. Uh, he was there. And they were pulling him around by the hand and showing, and they were running and jumping and doing this and that. But anyway, what Jesus said, of such is the kingdom of, of heaven. It's, they're just, I, I, millions of them. Millions of them. And I don't know exactly how, how all that works and into the future, but uh, God's got it figured out, not to be concerned. <laughs> but so uh, uh, he said, whoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he will not enter therein. So he took them up in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. Is Jesus' example the perfect example? Yes. Is it the ultimate example to follow? So then whether it's presenting the child to the Lord and the prayer and the blessing, that's what we're basing today on, on these truths, these scriptures, Jesus' example. And if you agree with that, say amen. So let's talk briefly about what we're doing in, even though it is a a baby and a child presentation, it is a parent. And a church dedication. That's where the dedication comes in. Not the child. But us. The parents are going to be dedicating. That they're going to do some main things. And I am so thankful. We live in a world. Where so many people don't even get married anymore. There's no covenant commitments. And where people don't make make an effort to stay together. Uh, parents, you are, you may not always feel it, but just being where you are in covenant with each other, loving each other and loving the child, you are way ahead of most of the world. And, and this, and, and this is giving God something to work with. And how many think every child ought to have the opportunity to grow up in a home where they're loved? Huh? Where, where their, their parents and those responsible for them love each other and, and love them, it just, it, it prevents so many problems and it, it goes so far in, in not being fearful and insecure and, and messed up. So uh, I know it may not always feel like it. And of course, it, at this phase, you know, there's uh, uh, some crying and a lot of diapers and, and this kind of thing. But uh, hang in there. Older parents, grandparents, are you telling them right? Say, hang in there, hang hang in there, hang in there. It's for a short, short season, so many of these things. And um, uh, just endeavoring to do it God's way gives him an open door to do all kind of things in your life that people in the world forfeit. They forfeit so um, there's there's three big things uh, 
that we want to make a commitment as, as the parents and as the church to do to help these children. One, we want to teach them the things of God. Everybody say teach. 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 Genesis 18 and uh, 18 and 19, the Lord said, Abraham will surely become a great mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. And I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they will keep the way of the Lord. He said, I know him. One of the reasons why the Lord chose Abraham is because he knew faith in him wouldn't die with him. Oh, come on. Is everybody away? He knew. Abraham and Sarah would instill into their children and their children's children and their children's children's children the things of God. Hallelujah. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 6 and verse uh, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you this day will be in your heart and you'll teach them diligently. Everybody say, teach them diligently to your children. That's going to take some effort. That's going to take some time. You can't be gone all the time. You can't be too busy all the time. You all with me? I know there's things you got to do in life, but there's got to be times when you take the time Talk to them about things. Communicate to them how important these things are to you. Because what you treat as important, they'll do automatically as little ones. And then as they grow older, no matter what you tell them to do, they'll wind up doing what you do. Everything produces after its own kind. And a lot of people don't like that, but it's not shocking that you take on characteristics of the people you spend years and years developing around. <laughs> Some folks didn't know if they liked that or not. But, uh, <laughs> spiritual things are real. I've seen parents over and over again that thought they were hiding things from their children. They were so careful to hide it. And then they looked up one day and the child was doing it. And they thought, how? No, spiritual things are real. Uh, people pick up on spiritual things and are influenced by whatever spirits that the parents are yielding to. Even if they never saw it, uh, it's still real. It's still there. Which is why the only way to not pass it on to your kids is to get it out of you. That's the only way. Nothing else works. So he said, you'll teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. The NIV says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And especially as they get older, learn to listen. Don't just be in teach mode all the time, especially when they get older. Because you've got to realize with children, one of the first things we do, we put them in classrooms and they have to sit and listen. 
And then they go to grammar school and what do they do? Sit and listen. And then middle school, sit and listen. High school, sit and listen. College, supposed to, sit and and listen. And a lot of churches want to do the same thing, sit and listen. And then parents a lot of times want to not be around the child or know half what they're doing. And then come in, it's always lectures. And all No, there needs to be times. Some of the richest times I had with uh, my parents growing up. And and I'm, my, my dad's going home to be with the Lord now. But he would sit sometimes, he and I, under the shade tree. He'd listen to me for 45 minutes at a time. And sometimes for minutes and not even interrupt me. Just listen. And that helped me tremendously. I didn't go through some of the insecurities that that some kids do because I, you know, I I knew I was loved. And and, and sometimes when I would uh, come up with some idea, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an astronaut. Nobody would laugh. They'd go, really? Yeah. Well, you know, not too many people get to be astronauts. You'd have to work really hard. You'd do this. But I left thinking, I could be an astronaut. You want to put faith into them. Is that right? And you want to build them up. And with his words, the Bible said, uh, the, the, the word of his grace is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Can you say amen? So parents and church, we're going to teach them. Is that right? In the morning, in the noontime, we're going to live it in front of them and teach them. That's where we come to the next part, train. Second part is train, which is not teaching. Said out loud, training Training. is not teaching. teaching. You might say, well, I'm, I'm not having a child presentation today, so, you know, what's it got to do with me? Everything. These principles are the same if you're talking about training up young Christians. Talking about a church family. It's the same in all of these things. People not only need teaching, they need training. Somebody say training. Training. Proverbs 22.6. Many are familiar with this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. The BBE says if a child is trained up in the right way, even when he's old, he won't be turned away from it. You know, in this ungodly world, as soon as these children get older, get into school, get into, especially get into uh, older school and in college, whatever, they're going to be challenged. Their faith is going to be challenged. Their beliefs are going to be attacked. And there needs to be an unshakable foundation already in them from birth. Yes. Amen. That they were hearing the word and music of God while they were still in the womb. This matters. And then from the time before they were old enough to understand it. And certainly when they were old enough, they were getting not theories Not a bunch of goofy ideas, uh, not just a bunch of politics, not just a bunch of heralded literature. They're getting the unadulterated Word of God, the anointed Word of God. 
Can you say amen? So watch about just telling people your idea, telling your kids your, your ideas. You want them something that's unshakable. And that is, it is written. Amen. So everybody say train. Train. The Bible said, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment that it may be well with you. You may live long on the earth. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Training includes discipline. This is an unpopular topic in today's society, but it's also why you've got a lot of messed up kids who turn into messed up adults. There's no such thing as a child who never needs to be corrected. No such thing. You say, well, I, mine never need to be. Well, they're a mess. You just don't realize it. No, no such thing. No such thing as an adult that never needs to be corrected. Are y'all okay? Can you take just a little bit more? Hebrews 12 says, My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as a son. God has more kids than anybody. Is that right? And he knows more about rearing them and training them properly than anybody, including somebody's goofy book. That many of them don't even believe in God. Do not take somebody's child psychology, child rearing book and elevate it above the scripture. Right? The Bible said no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. It's not fun. Later on, though, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those that have been trained by it. Listen to the scriptures in in Proverbs about this. It says, the rod and reproof, Proverbs 29, 15, give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings his mother shame. It's sad that people are not able to enjoy children the way they should. If they're never disciplined and they're never made to, to mind, then they are... Uh, so much more of a drain and people other folks don't want to be around them because they just uh, they don't they and they're unhappy children need structure right they need to know you can't do this right and they need to know you can do this but you can't do this now and 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 all manner of these things and you can't get you can't achieve that with teaching alone the lord gave me this this phrase some years ago, ignorance needs instruction. Disobedience needs discipline. And yet some people are trying to accomplish everything with instruction alone. And you see people, they just keep trying to teach the child. And especially little ones, they don't, most of the time they don't even understand what they're trying to tell them. And people say, well, you should never tell, you know, do this because I said so. Well, the Lord does that with us. 
Is that right? Don't just say because I said so. Well, he does that with us all the time. Do this. You go, why? Because I said so. Huh? Because <laughs> some things are just beyond your understanding at the moment. And it will be with them. It's not being mean. It's not being cruel. It's being the one in charge. How many understand the little ones are not supposed to be in charge? I said, how many understand? They'll be so much happier if they learn that their life revolves around you. Not your life revolves around them. Why? Because if you do that, you're preparing them for a rude shock. When they get into the world and start dealing with other people and find out the world does not revolve around them, they're going to be very upset. And then they'll try to apply that to God. They'll think that God is supposed to, you know, just revolve around them and take care of them. No, no, no. Everybody say training. Training. Say it again. Training. 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 Proverbs 13, 24 says, he that spares his rod hates his son, but he that loves him chastens him betimes. Proverbs 19, 18, chasten your son while there is hope and, and let not your soul spare for his crying. People say, well, I, I just can't stand it when they're, when they're mad at me or when they're upset with me. That, that means you care more about how you feel than you do how they turn out. You got to be willing to endure some discomfort, right? They'll get over it. You'll get over it. <laughs> well, some people like it. Some people don't know if they like it or not. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, "Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child." Kids are going to do some dumb stuff. Yeah, yours too. Brother Hagen used to say, you cannot put a grown head on a child. You just can't. They'll just do some bizarre stuff sometimes. And if they didn't understand, they need instruction. But if they did understand and they just decided to not listen, then you don't need to teach them. It's time for discipline of some kind. And that doesn't mean you abuse the child, you injure the child. Certainly not. But it needs to cost them somehow. Right? And there are a number of different ways, and you just have to be led by the Spirit at any given point in time what to do for that, because it changes from day to day. Can you say amen? amen. Proverbs twenty-three thirteen says, don't fail to correct your children. They won't die if you spank them. <laughs> Physical discipline may well save them from death. There are some situations... Where your child's well-being and safety in life could be the difference between them listening to you and not listening to you. You just say, stop, stop, don't go any further. Well, if they never listen to you, they probably won't do it this time. But it could be something they're about to get hurt or get burned or get cut or, or whatever. And they need to learn to listen even when they don't understand. And isn't that preparing them for walking by faith? Trusting in their Father God. Hallelujah. The last one is. Now you agreed with me earlier that anything worth doing. We're taking a little time doing right. Is to provide for them. This is not number one. 
This is number three. What's number one? Teach them. Number two? Train them. And one of the big things you train them with is your own life, your example in front of them. And then thirdly, this is one of the reasons why we believe in prosperity and abundance. To be able to provide for them, bless them with all kind of good things. Huh? First Timothy says if you don't, and he doesn't provide for his relatives and his family, he's denied the faith. So a part of the faith is having abundance and plenty for your family. God wants you to have it. Say it out loud. God wants us to have abundance, plenty for the family, for the children, even to enjoy all manner of good things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Say it again. Teach. Train. Provide. Hallelujah. Well, ushers, you can go ahead and get the, uh, the parents and the children in place, in ready.